Hello, welcome back to the Neurological Deep Dive Podcast. I'm Kara Moran. Have you or have you known someone working on overcoming addictions? If so, you will enjoy listening to your hosts, Barrett Fonts and Dawn, on Overcoming Addiction Part 2. Thank you for listening. Welcome, everybody. This is the Gospel Hour with Dawn, and we've been talking about overcoming addictions. So, last time we talked about seven or eight. I believe I gave eight points on how to overcome addictions. Well, we're going to continue. I'm going to give you the next one. It's called Addictions are forms of bondage and servitude. It's important to know that if we're going to overcome addictions. In the Bible, in John chapter 8, verse 34, it says, Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. A servant is one who is, quote, in a state of subjection. A servant is one who yields obedience to another, end quote. To yield obedience to sin is to be a servant of sin. And the word sin is defined in this way. It is a transgression of a moral law. So if I'm yielding obedience to sin, I am really yielding, I'm really becoming a servant to that sin. Are you in a state of subjection to a bad habit or to a sin promoting religious system? If you are, then you're a servant of sin. So what can set us free from bondage? Here's the answer. The knowledge of truth can do it and acting upon that truth. That's how we are free from bondage. And I'm quoting here from the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verse 32 to 36. I'm going to leave out some words here, but it says this. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And then skipping down a bit, it says, If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. And that word Son there means the Son of God. If the Son of God, therefore, shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. So we must believe that Bible truth and the Son of God can make us free from sin's bondage. We, we need to believe that. But this belief must involve a yielding of the will to the truth and to the will of the Son of God. So sins, like I said, they put us in bondage. They are like cords or ropes or strings that bind us more and more as we continue committing them. And I'm quoting now from Proverbs chapter 5, verse 22. It says this, His own iniquities shall take the wicked himself, and he shall be holden with the cords of his sins. End quote. The word holden there is an old English word, and it means held or confined. So he shall be confined with the cords of his sins. So the quicker we put off our sins and our bad habits when we know about them, the less likely will they take hold of us. Because picture a yarn, piece of yarn, and wrap that around your, your body, your whole body, arms included. If you wrap that yarn around you two, three, four, five times, it's not going to be a big deal for you to get out of it. But you wrap that 20, 30, 100 times, after a while, you won't be able to get out. You're going to be totally trapped. And what's trapping you? That yarn. Well, that's what sins are like. When, when you put off the sins early on, 
they're easier to get rid of. But once you keep continuing in that bad habit or that sin, it becomes a lot more difficult to get out of it. It eventually binds you. Now, King David uh, was sometimes in his, in his life, he was defeated by sin. And he when he was defeated, he turned to God for help. And that's the way we ought to deal with sin. We got to turn to God for help. And I'm going to quote from David here. This is in Psalm chapter 40 or Psalm 40, verse 12 and 13. And I quote, for innumerable evils have compassed me about. Mine iniquities have taken hold upon me so that I am not able to look up. They are more than the hairs of my head. Therefore, my heart faileth me. Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me, End quote. Now, David is saying innumerable evils have compassed him about. That, that word evils means troubles. So David had many troubles in his life. And then he says, mine iniquities, my sins, have taken hold upon me so that I'm not able to look up. In other words, he's depressed. He can't look up. He's got low spirits. And then it says, they are more than the hairs of my head. Okay, he is overwhelmed by his sins and his troubles. Of course, the sins bring troubles. And so he's overwhelmed with troubles. They're more than the hairs of my head. Therefore, my heart faileth me. And that word faileth me, the heart failing, most likely speaks of depression or despondency. So the quicker we put off our sins, the less likely will they take hold of us. But also, according to this verse, we know that David's sins, they led to trouble and problems. And of course, they led to him being depressed. So that's point number eight, uh, which I've been talking about. It's called addictions are forms of bondage and servitude. Point number nine, addictions are primarily spiritual problems. Drugs, narcotics, marijuana, medicines are physical substances. But these physical substances can be used for good purposes or for bad. But God and Satan can use the things of nature to either help us or hurt us. Addictions have both a physical component and a spiritual component. Physical substances can easily be used in ways that lead to addiction. If addicted, the body will eventually scream for the substance, if it's not taken into the body soon enough, that is. And this will cause the habit to grow to the point that we are no longer as free as we thought. If we are not careful, substances can influence us to become fools. A fool is one who yields to his impulses rather than to reason. People get hooked on substances because they were at one time too careless about the consequences of their behavior. They were acting as fools. They lacked wisdom and foresight. They gave in to their desires, their cravings, or their friends rather than to God's will. They are now in bondage to their bodily cravings or their bodily desires. Most of us have played the fool in our past, but hopefully we can learn from our past and change course. So an addiction is a spiritual problem, more so than a physical problem. Why do I say that? Because addictive choices and states are pleasing to evil spirits, but they're not pleasing to the Holy Spirit. You see how it's a 
spiritual problem. It's the devil that wants you to take that drink. It's the devil that wants you to t shoot up that whatever, that chemical you're putting inside of you. Um, so, and it's the devil that's causing you to take that, that next cigarette smoke, puff or whatever. Evil spirits want to destroy us. And so they're using these physical substances to destroy us and to put us in bondage. You got to remember that Satan's main goal is to separate human souls from God. So he wants to separate us from God and he can use physical substances to do that. So a soul that is not filled with God and his ways is an empty soul, which becomes an easy home for evil spirits to enter and to influence. And we're going to turn now to Matthew chapter 12, and I'm going to read verse 43 to 45 in Matthew chapter 12. It says, When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places, seeking rest, and findeth none. Then he saith, I will return into my house from whence I came out. And when he is come, he findeth it empty, swept, and garnished. Then goeth he, and taketh with himself seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. Even so shall it be also unto this wicked generation. Now, I want to make some points here. First of all, being demon-possessed or devil-possessed is real. It is something that really does happen, and it happened in the time of Christ. And it happened then in a degree that it didn't happen many years after to the same degree. But it's happening more and more nowadays, too, because Satan is having more uh, sway over the, uh, the people as, as a rule today. So demon, demon possession, or you could call it being possessed by a devil, that is real stuff that really happens. The devil, or a devil, I should say, can inhabit a heart or a soul. And you see that in this passage I just read. Uh, the devil is also called a demon. And in this passage, he's called an unclean spirit in verse 43. Jesus has power to cast out spirits, evil spirits, that is. He definitely has that power. And if you look in this passage, you'll find out in, uh, in verse 22 and 23 of chapter 12 of Matthew that Jesus definitely did cast out spirits out of a man. Now, if a heart is empty and swept, and the spirit, the bad spirit is gone, but that heart is now empty, swept, and garnished. That same spirit, or seven other more spirit, other spirits more wicked than him, can enter into that soul and can influence even more. And that's the principle that we're seeing in this passage. So an empty heart is a heart that is, a heart that is um, uh, ripe for evil to enter in again. So you don't want your soul to be empty. In other words, you must replace bad habits with good habits. So here's another point I want to make. It's not enough to expel evil habits or sins, to expel sins. We must replace them with good habits, with good purposes, good pursuits. And that's the key to being victorious over any bad addiction.
And we also learn this from this passage. The human soul was designed to inhabit God. It, it is designed to worship God. For It is designed for God to dwell within us. God does not live in everybody because he needs to be welcomed in. For God to live in you, you need to welcome his influence, his spirit, his laws, his ways. You need to give your life to him. And if you do that, then he will dwell within your heart. So the human soul was designed to worship God, to trust God, and to obey God. And if we're not doing that, then that human soul will will be occupied by something that's uh, not good for us. So Christ as Lord in our hearts is the solution to any bad habit. And you see that clearly in this passage. So evil habits are formed by relapses. And you see that in this passage. Because see, notice he got rid of the, the that unclean spirit. It says it left the man. But then it, that man's soul was empty. And he didn't replace it, obviously, with something better. So what happened is uh, that devil came back and, and got even more powerful, so to speak. Or those devils entered in. So evil habits are formed by relapses. But evil habits are also strengthened by relapses. So that's why it's so important to have a reason to live. People that have a reason to live won't get into trouble. So that's um, Matthew chapter 12. So uh, we're talking about how that a soul that is not filled with God and his ways is an empty soul, which becomes e an easy home for evil spirits to enter and influence. The only way to victory over satanic power is to welcome the spirit of Christ into our hearts and for him to be our supreme ruler. And there's another good verse in Romans chapter 8, verse 2. It says this, For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. You see how the problem is spiritual? The word law there, it says for the law of the spirit of life. It really, it, it basically means the ruling force of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus will make us free from the ruling force of sin and death. You see, we need a ruling force in our lives. And uh, the spirit of, of Christ is that ruling force that will help us to conquer any bad, bad habit. So that was number nine. Addictions are primarily spiritual problems. Number 10, bad addictions are caused by strongholds of Satan. Let me read to you 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10 beginning at verse 4. It says this, quote, "For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God." and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now, there's some difficult words in here. So let me break this down a little bit. For though we walk in the flesh, that means we walk in a human body, we do not war after the flesh. In other words, our... Uh, and then it says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. That means they're not fleshly. 
They're not physical. They're not secular. Okay, those are the weapons of our warfare. They're not secular. But they're mighty. And they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And then it says casting down imaginations. That means we need to cast down opinions and notions and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And we need to bring into captivity, in other words, bring into subjection, every thought, that is, every belief, every opinion, every scheme. We need to bring every thought, every scheme to the obedience of Christ. The devil has ideas, and he has strongholds, and he has notions that he puts into our minds that are false, and we need to cast them down. Let me um, give you some, some uh, let's talk about the stronghold. What, what, what is a stronghold? A stronghold is a well-fortified place. It's a fort, or you could call it a barrier, okay? It's a barrier. That's what a stronghold of the devil is. It's a barrier. It's a spiritual stronghold, and a spiritual stronghold is a lie or a seemingly cogent reasoning which Satan has erected in our mind and from which we cannot, in our own wisdom, penetrate or pull down. Satan's ideas and notions can only be defeated and pulled down by God's ideas and God's notions. It requires divine truth to overcome false thinking. The opinions that are addiction is not very serious that comes from the devil it, because our addictions are serious or the opinion that uh, uh that that addiction is something we must live with for the rest of our life these opinions are strongholds they're well fortified lies of satan these enemy strongholds are barriers which keep us separated from God, and in a state of defeat. So all lies and strongholds of the devil must be demolished and pulled down, or else they will discourage us and lead to our defeat. And only God's words, which is called the sword of the Spirit, can demolish all lies. Victory comes by faith. In God's words. And faith in God's words, if you have that, you will be able to pull down the strongholds and the imaginations and the notions and the opinions and the exalted uh, beliefs and schemes of, of Satan himself. And uh, there's a lot of them. So that's number 10. Bad addictions are caused by strongholds of Satan. Now, let me read another one and give you another one here. Um, we must replace bad habits with good habits. And I'm turning now to Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 32 and 33. And in this passage, we can see the principle of putting off and putting on. The principle of replacing if we don't get, get a hold of this, we're not going to be victorious. So I'm reading now Ephesians chapter 4, 
verse 22, it says that ye put off concerning the former conversation, that means the former conduct, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to, to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. So in this passage, you can see the principle of putting off and putting on. In other words, it's not enough to give up bad practices. We must replace them with good practices and good pursuits. We are instructed to put off lying and speak truth. We're instructed to put off stealing and instead to put on laboring. We're instructed to exchange profane speech for edifying speech. We're instructed to exchange bitterness and malice for kindness and a forgiving spirit. Instead of filling our bloodstream with alcohol, drugs, or nicotine, we ought to fill our minds with the things of the Spirit of God. The Bible talks about that in Romans chapter 8, verse 5. It says, he that's of the Spirit, he minds or he cherishes the things of the Spirit. And that's the solution to being led, led astray, is to be minding the things of the Spirit, or could we say the will of the Spirit. Now, I, I just said filling our bloodstream with alcohol. Well, here's another good verse. It's in Ephesians, same chapter, or, or same book, chapter 5, verse 18. It says this, And be not drunk with wine, wherein is, is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. You see the principle of replacing one thing with the other? Now, to be filled with the Spirit means to be occupied with the Spirit. It means to be supplied with the Spirit. Some people need their supply of alcohol. Well, really what, what we need is a supply of Holy Spirit truth, uh, uh, the influence of the Holy Spirit. That's what we really need. That's what the heart really craves for. And by the way, um, every heart will be restless until it finds its rest in God, in obeying God and in pleasing God. Our hearts and our soul was constructed for the purpose of worshiping God. So if alcohol is used as a beverage, 
as you would use Coca-Cola or milk or something like that. Well, then it's used to excess. That's my belief. That's my take on that. I don't believe we need to drink alcohol as a beverage. Now, could alcohol be useful? Yeah, it's it's useful for removing stains on clothes and on or on surfaces. But it may also be proper as a medicine. And in 1 Timothy chapter 5 verse 23, Paul instructs Timothy to use a little wine for his stomach's sake and for his infirmities, okay? Uh, Timothy had some uh, physical ailments and alcohol was uh, pretty much of a solution uh, to help him out with that. At least it would help. So that would be fine to use alcohol as a medicine or to use it as a painkiller when someone is in extreme misery or on his deathbed where he's in tremendous pain. And you can read about that in Proverbs chapter 31, verse 4 to 7. And uh, so alcohol would be useful as a medicine and as a painkiller in extreme pain. Uh, some people use it as a painkiller because they're going through a hard time in life. No, that not, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying some physical pain that you're going through. Um, so if, if it's used as a beverage, I believe that's used to excess. And uh, it's going to harm you because so every drunkard that you know was at one time a social drinker and a moderate drinker. Well, uh, it starts off in moderation, but it usually ends up uh, worse than that. So a common mistake that people make is to replace severe bad habits with lesser bad habits. Or they replace weightier evil habits with lesser evil habits. And that is a common mistake that most people do. But um, exchanging one sin for another is still sin. So in the Bible, it's, it's very clear that our moral obligation is to obey or observe all things whatsoever Christ has commanded me, uh, commanded us. Uh, teaching all men to, uh, to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always. That's uh, partially quoted from Matthew chapter 28, verse 20. And that is the standard for all of us. It is to observe all things whatsoever Christ has commanded and notice it says, and I will be with you always. So if you give your heart to God, God will help you to keep these commandments because he'll be with you and he'll help you. So that's that point. Replace bad habits with good habits. Not enough to give up the wrong. We've got to replace it. Here's the next point. We cannot overcome our addictions alone. I already alluded to that. We need God's help. But even though we need God's help, we must do our part and cooperate with his words, with his instructions, cooperate with the help that he does offer. Sometimes he sends people our way. That's God's way of helping us. Or his reprovers. We've got to cooperate with those who reprove. To reprove means to instruct. It means, um, I'm looking here in Proverbs chapter 15. Let me read it. It says, The ear that heareth the reproof of life abideth among the wise. He that refuseth instruction despiseth his own soul. But he that heareth reproof getteth understanding. So we need to learn, we need to be humble enough to hear 
reproof or instruction or to have our sins pointed out. If someone points a sin out to you, you ought to, and I ought to, be humble enough to listen and to take heed, especially if it's in, a, in accordance with God's word. So he that hears reproof gets understanding. And we're finding there's not too many people today that have much understanding. There are, we are being dumbed down. We are being uh, brainwashed as a society. And it's because people are not listening to the reproofs of Scripture. So you say, well, I, I'm just going to do my own thing. Well, it says here, he that re refuses instruction despises his own soul. I asked somebody the other day, what? because this person said he gave up. He gave up um, drugs. And uh, I said, what made you do it? And he says, I just cared about myself. I cared about my life. I knew that if I continue with these drugs, I'd be dead soon. So if you don't despise your soul, then listen to common sense. So that's one reason to get off of drugs if you care about yourself. But there's a lot more reasons to give, get rid of dr drugs other than to care for yourself. Here's another verse. It's in uh, chapter 15, uh, Proverbs 15. It says, Correction is grievous unto him that forsakes the way. And he that hates reproof shall die. Strong words. So we should always welcome reproof as, mu as much as possible. So, but, and so sometimes God sends reprovers our way. People that give us good advice, good thoughts. Well, we cannot overcome our addictions alone. Uh, utilize the help that God sends your way. And it's important to know that if you don't, get victory and you don't get you don't overcome your 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 uh, bad habit that god is never at fault it's always you or i whoever is addicted it's their fault that they're addicted it's always the case ultimately now yes sometimes people influence us but ultimately we got to blame only ourselves so if if god cannot help you it's not because he cannot it's it's because you or I are not cooperating with him. So we can never blame God for anything bad that happens to us associated with our, with anything in life. Because God is only good in every way. All the badness that happens in people's lives is caused by sin. Either your own sin or somebody else's sin. Somebody's sin that lived in America a hundred years ago is probably affecting us today. And so um, sin is, is the cause of all the problems. So that's a point, that point, we cannot overcome our addictions alone. Here's another one. You must determine to get victory like nothing else. That's the key. You've got to want it and you've got to want it like you want nothing else. Ask yourself if you would act out your bad habit in a church service, would you? Or if a pastor came to stay with you for a while, would you act out your bad habit in his presence? The fact that you would not do your evil deed in church or in a good man's presence is proof that you can alter your behavior and that any bad habit can be overcome by spirit-induced willpower.
And when I say spirit, I mean the Holy Spirit's induced willpower. So we can always give up a bad habit. And proof of it is is uh, you wouldn't do that in church. And here's somebody, picture somebody who's mad and they're yelling at their spouse. Let's say it's a man yelling at his wife and he's just yelling at it. And all of a sudden there's a phone call and then the man is, hey, hi, hi, buddy, how are you? All of a sudden he's not mad anymore. That goes to show that we can change our anger. We can change our actions and our tone of voice. We can change it immediately. So um, that's important. We must determine to get victory like nothing else. And I, to put, uh, there are many reasons, by the way. I'm going to talk about those reasons uh, soon here. But let's go to this next point. Avoid triggers. Anything that sets off a bad reaction. That's what a trigger is. Uh, so try to avoid those. Avoid devices uh, that trigger bad attitudes or bad bad thoughts. Avoid uh, cell, smartphones or computers or anything, any sites and things like that. Or people. Avoid TV or, or avoid people that trigger bad uh, things. Here's a good verse from Proverbs chapter 4, verse 14. It says, Enter not into the path of the wicked. Go not in the way of evil men. Avoid it. Pass not by it. Turn from it and pass away. That means don't even get close to it. I remember one guy in Florida one time, he he had a problem with crack cocaine and, and I was giving him a ride to to work at, uh, at a the store he was working at uh, actually it was Burger King and uh, I was going to take a road and bring him down a certain road and he, and he asked me not to go down even that road he did not want to pass near there because he knew that there were some people that took crack that were living there and he didn't want to even be seen passing by there and I thought that was good but that's a good a good uh, policy it's avoid things that trigger bad actions. And close to that is the next point. Avoid tempting situations or locations, such as bars, pubs, movies, careless believers. Yeah, sometimes you need to avoid careless believers. Certain uh, people you, you need to uh, avoid. Or um, even compromising churches can be a tempting situation. Some churches, uh, most churches in America right now have become asylums for sinners. Not all, but most. And uh, so it's a place where you can go and do your sinning. Well, that's not good. So we got to avoid these these churches because they're really not churches. They're, they're, they're not churches of Christ. They are social clubs or asylums for their dens of iniquity for some of them. So here's a good verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33. It says, Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. End quote. Now, evil communications mean, that word communications basically means company or evil associations. They corrupt good manners, good habits, good ways of living. So bad people will corrupt good habits or bad company will will corrupt good habits so that's an important principle for that's in first corinthians 15 now here's another good one it's in 
Ephesians chapter 5, verse 11. It says, And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. That's found in Ephesians chapter 5. And that's a, a good policy. So we've got to avoid tempting situations and locations. Um, here's another one. Choose good friends to associate with. It's not enough to avoid bad company. you got to choose good company. And here's a very good verse in Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 20. It says, He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. Now, that's a, prob that's a wise saying from Solomon. And just following this principle will keep people on the, the right path. And there's another good verse in Hebrews in the New Testament, chapter 10, verse 25. It says, Not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the door, and so much the more, as you see the day approaching. So we do need to associate with the right crowd. And it's, you know, we should not forsake assembling or meeting together with good people. And it should be for the purpose of edifying, not for the purpose of talking about the latest sports event or whatever, but for the purpose of edifying and instructing and reminding each other of good things, good deeds. And that's what we need to do as people. So associating with good friends will keep you from some bad habits as a rule. Here's another point. Reflecting upon God's great love for us and being grateful for all that he has done for us will act as a very strong motive to love him in return and to quit all sinning. That's an important thought right there. That comes right out of the Bible. The Bible says, For the love of Christ constraineth us. Um, it constrains us. It compels us. Christ's love. It's a, uh, let me read that. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 14. It says, For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. In other words, then we're all dead spiritually. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Now, that's a reason to live for Christ. He died for us. In other words, he made an atoning sacrifice for us, put the Father in a position to be able to forgive us of our sins, all because of what Christ did on the cross. That was love so amazing, and that's love out of this world. And that's the greatest love that anybody could have shown toward us. Because, see, we, we all sinned, and because of our sin, we deserve to go to hell. But thankfully, Christ loved us enough to die for us. And because he died for us, now we can be forgiven, and we can be reinstated in God's favor because of that. That is more than $10 billion being given to you. And uh, so because Christ has done that, that ought to motivate us to love him in return. And it says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 19, it says, we love him because he first loved us. And continuing on on that point of um, love, um, you know, we will go through much pain, hardship, 
and privation to serve the best interests of those we love. Love for some worthy being or some being who is valuable to us will motivate us to cut out anything offensive to him or her. Now, think of it. I remember the commercial in the olden days. I'd walk a mile for a camel. Walking a mile is quite a quite a distance. And there's a little bit of hardship there, a little bit of going out of your way. And a sacrifice to walk a mile for a camel cigarette. And that was a commercial. Well, how many people would walk a mile for Christ? Or for your spouse, for your husband or your wife, or for your children? Uh, love for people, love for God and for people, and even love for ourselves, will help motivate us to get rid of that bad habit. So ask yourself this. If you won't do it for yourself, do it for your loved one. Do it for your spouse. Do it for your children. Do it for Christ. And Christ should be the greatest motivator of all because there's no one that has loved us more than Christ and no one even comes close to having loved us more than Christ. So love for Christ will cause you to go out of your way, to sacrifice, and to do anything you need to do to not offend him. So your cigarette, your alcohol, your anger problem, and your bad church. Will you leave your bad church for Christ? Will you leave your sin-tolerating church for Christ? I would hope so, because it's Christ who is our Savior, not the church. The church is just an institution, and that's an important institution, but they should be teaching the way of God and enforcing God's laws in, in among their people. If they're not doing that, then they're not doing their job. They're not really a church that is pleasing to God. So here's another uh, point. Stop all excuse making and blame shifting. Ultimately, it is your fault and your past decisions that have put you in this place of bondage. Yes, others may have contributed to your habits, but ultimately your past decisions have put you into your predicament. Your present bondage is one of the consequences of your past undisciplined life. You are now bound by the cords of your own past sins. His iniquities shall take the wicked himself, and he shall be holden with the cords of his sins, it says in Proverbs chapter 5. So if you're in bondage, you are now reaping what you have sown. And in Galatians chapter 6, it says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. He that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that sows to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. So we cannot be making excuses for the mess that we are presently in. We have to admit our own guilt, our own part in all this, and just face up to it and um, confess it to God. And look to God for help, and he can do that. Here's another one. Do not allow yourself to get discouraged. You're going to probably fail. You're going to relapse. Maybe, maybe not. But if you do, don't despair. And don't despair of final victory. You can get victory over every single bad habit. If setbacks come, don't stay down. Get up 
Try harder with God's help. Just keep going. And that's what athletes do. How many athletes have failed? Every athlete has, has failed at times. But what did they do? Did they give up? No, they stuck to it. And they became very good athletes because they didn't let the setbacks get them discouraged. They just went on and, and tried harder the next time. And you see that principle in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. This is a, a very good little principle. It's not little, but it, it's a powerful principle. It's just a few verses. And, and uh, I'm reading now 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. It says, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize? So run that ye may obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery, the word mastery would be sports, every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate, that means disciplined in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown. But we, we Christians, an incorruptible. So there, there is an incorruptible crown awaiting you if you are victorious over every bad habit and you are now practicing godly habits and you are living, walking with the Lord and you are living in victory and overcoming sin. If you're doing that, then you're going to receive an incorruptible crown. It's called heaven. It's called, Jesus is going to welcome you into heaven and say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. So he goes on here. It says, I'm quoting now, uh, I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to, to others, I myself should be a castaway. So if you don't want to become a castaway and a loser, morally speaking, spiritually speaking, then it's going to require discipline. And you cannot allow yourself to get discouraged. And it says, I keep under my body. That means I control my bodily appetites. And you can do it. I can do it. We can all do it. And bring your body into subjection to the will of God. In other words, don't ever do things that you know God is unhappy with. And so that's in 1 Corinthians 9. That's a nice little uh, verse that keeps us from getting discouraged. So you got to stick to it. The Bible says, work out your own salvation with fear and, tr and trembling. Now here is another point. Expect sufferings and opposition from loved ones or from friends or maybe even from en enemies. But usually it's our friends that will hurt us. It's those closest to us that can hurt us the most because they're close to us. They mean something to us. So expect opposition from them. Now, I don't. I hope it doesn't happen. It may happen. Or expect sufferings. They may put you down for giving up that bad habit. Well, you got to be able to decide who you want to please, them or the one who's going to be your judge on the last day. Satan has had you in his grip for a long time and he will not let you loose easily. So Satan will use people to discourage you to get you back into your bad habit. So expect a fight. Expect a battle. It's going to be a battle. And know this, that the fight for truth and victory over sin is well worth it. There's this incorruptible crown awaiting you. If you 
abide faithful and stay true to God. So this fight for truth and victory is not only well worth it, but it's also very winnable. You can win this battle, but it's going to have to be with God's help. And here's another point. Uh, set boundaries, but avoid problematic boundaries or excessive boundaries. Uh, so we got to use some wisdom there. Yeah, set boundaries for yourself, but don't be excessive in it. Like in the old days, they used to live in monasteries thinking they could get away from all the sin. Well, no, there was plenty of sin in those monasteries. So that's not the solution is, you know, staying away from everybody all the time on purpose because you don't want to fall into sin. Well, that's not necessarily healthy because remember, the best way to not sin is to be serving God. So the more you love God and love your fellow man, that's the more you will be victorious over sin. So avoiding all people that disagree with you and disagree with your beliefs, that may not be wise. Maybe you need to uh, still uh, have mix with people and, and learn from them. Perhaps there's some good things you can learn from those who are flawed in their thinking. And uh, we all can learn from each other whether we're right or wrong in, in everything or not. And I don't think any of us are right on everything. So, so we can learn from others. And I want to say this as the last point. This is definitely not least. We need to pray often. Pray to God and only to God, not to anyone else. And pray in the name of Christ and in no other name because there's no other name under heaven given, given among men by which we must be saved or can be saved and by which we can approach God. We must go to God through the one and only mediator. That is the Lord Jesus Christ. But we must pray to be strengthened with might in, in the inner man by the Spirit of God. And I got that right out of Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16. It says to be strengthened. Paul would pray for the believers and ask God for them to be strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man. Hopefully these thoughts on addictions have been helpful to you. May God bless you. Thank you so much for listening and have a good day. Thank you, Dawn, for that riveting segment. Disposing of temptations, things or substances that feed your addiction like cigarettes, alcohol, drugs. Keeping triggers accessible only makes things more difficult for you. Surround yourself with people who support you and your journey. Avoid those speaking negatively about you and your addiction. This has been another Neurological Deep Dive Podcast. I am Farrah Fawns, your host, and thank you for listening. Be blessed.